For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Chris Braden. The reason you're tuned in is Big O, Big O. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, Chris. Um, you know, a little bit of a Bronco hangover, but good. You know, I, I, I guess just watching it, watching it again, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and so I started having to do something that I have never done before. Typically, when I watch Bronco games, I, I watch it one time. The volume is off on the TV. I watch it in silence. I'm, I have my notebook. I'm taking notes on offense, defense, and special teams. And I try to just watch it once. I have little kids. I have two little kids under the age of five. It's right. hard for me to carve three and a half hours out, you know? So I, I had to go back and watch it, though. This one, the Monday Nighter against the Chargers. I had to go back and watch it. And um, as crazy as it sounds, I feel a little bit better after watching it a second time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And a a large part of the reason why I feel better is because I know that offensively, yes, it it, it is a nightmare. But in the passing game, there are guys open. Mm -hmm. There, There are guys open. There I understand the concepts. I, I understand where they're trying to go with the football. There is somebody open on every single play. It's just the read is not taking Russell Wilson there. So it, I guess I'm a little bit more optimistic after watching it the second time and, and hoping that the system gets a little bit more simplified because when you look at Russell, you look at him trying to set his feet back there his feet are never really set. So it's always the happy feet and it's the kind of hopping around. You know, a quarterback's head is supposed to be fluid and, you know, you transition to your reads. It looks like Russell's like hopping. It's like, oh, I'm looking at this read. Okay, that's not there. Let me hop and, and fully rotate my body like six degrees and now to look at another read. So it, it looks more mechanical. Right. It looked like, hey, if you're able to fix some things mechanical, there might be something to be optimistic about. We might be able to push the ball down the field a little bit faster. Russ might be able to get the ball out of his hands a little faster because there are guys open that are down the field. So I don't know. For me, a little bit more optimism than immediately after the Chargers game for sure. <laughs> are these guys, are they open on time? Because I know we've talked about that in the past and – on the on the game, they were talking about how they're coming open a little bit late, mostly talking about Jerry Judy, how he's like he's supposed to be our best route runner. But they were talking about how, how he's kind of cutting off routes short or curling when he's supposed to be cutting or 
Do you see any of that? And are they are the routes coming open on time and Russ is just not seeing it? See, that that's the hard part, right? So when, when I watched the all 22, the coaches copied, seeing guys open down the field, but I'm not seeing Russ have his eyes there. It's like, okay, this person's open. Now he's basically hopping in his stance, mm-hmm. looking at a different read and or looking at that read, and now that guy's covered. Right. So I don't understand the progression of it as far as where he should be looking. I just know mechanically right now his feet work is completely shot. And whether that's because he's thinking a little bit too much or thinking a little bit too much of the offensive line or maybe, you know, the Chargers scarred him early with their blitzes and being able to get to him early. And the fact that he had to run and keep his head on the swivel. Maybe a couple of things like that as far as why you're seeing the delay. Mm. But, um, yeah, uh, as far as, like, guys like Jerry Judy, I, I see Jerry getting open in the aspect of, okay, get to the top of the route, create some separation right now. But Russ is not there at that point. So that's where it's hard for me. That's where the disconnect's always going to be, Chris. If Jerry Judy's open, but now Russell Wilson's on Portland Sutton, you know, did Jerry Judy not get open as fast as he should because he was number two in that progression? So, right. and, and that's what we're never going to be able to tell because we're not in those meetings. You know what I mean? You know what? This is, I am so happy we're having this conversation because we haven't talked about any of the weird stuff going on with Russ, the cringy talk, any of that. Are Like in Denver, are we still hung up on that um, or can we move on to actually breaking down the game and hoping that the Denver Broncos start figuring this out X's and O's wise? Yeah. So let me just tell you, here's the issue with, with the Denver Broncos, right? This off season, George Payton said, Hey, we are going to push all the chips in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going all in to identify our quarterback. We're going all in to identify our quarterback, at least for the next half a decade. You right. know what? It, we've had 11 different people at that position since number 18. We're going to finally figure it out. And the Broncos gave up a ton, Chris. Mm-hmm. They gave up a ton to get Russell Wilson, right? Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, bye. You guys are going to Seattle. This year's first and second round pick, bye, it's going to Seattle. Next year's first round pick, bye, it's going to Seattle, right? And rightfully so. You had to do everything in your power to go get the quarterback, right? Um, so I, I got two two things that are going on here with Bronco Country, and this is going to be a, a fun discussion, right? So when, when you did that, you, you said uh, – man, you know what? We went and got a quarterback that's a running quarterback, dual threat quarterback. That's what he's been all his career. So immediately when, when you did that, you in our, your thought process, everybody's thought process is mm-hmm. this quarterback has seen everything that a defense is ever going to throw at him. Yep. Everything a defense could possibly throw at him, he has seen it. And when you've made the trade, that's the thought process of it that this quarterback has seen everything, but also this quarterback has won at a high level, right? So you do that, 
and now he gets here and now you see what it's all about, right? It's, it's everybody is going to back Russell Wilson. We're going to push our chips even in more, right? We're going to make him the second highest paid player in NFL history behind Aaron Rodgers. Hey, you did what you had to do. Nobody's going to fault you because of that. Why there's so much backlash now right. is because the last time that there was a quarterback, a person at the quarterback position that was the face of this organization, truly the face of this organization that you knew was going to be here for a long period of time, it was the sheriff. It was Peyton Manning. Yep. And Peyton wasn't the highest paid player in the NFL. But what Bronco country has grown accustomed to was a guy that could do a lot from the line of scrimmage. He could mm-hmm. sit there. He could audible. A lot of the stuff that he did, probably 60% of the stuff that he did at the line of scrimmage, was for blitz pickup and to be able to throw the ball, push it down the field. You know, communicating with the offensive line, the running back, sometimes the tight ends that have to stay in for protection. But Peyton did it all. Peyton sat there and he talked about, hey, you know what? This is the new mic. We're going to slide the protection right here. Cancel this person. We're not even going to block the defensive end. We're just going to block the interior. Peyton was always right with how he picked up the blitz. So we became spoiled here. When you're paying a quarterback, when you have the face of your organization, the expectation is that they're going to be able to pick up the blitz and make sure that the offensive line is right all while now switching up the route patterns and combinations with the wide receivers to be able to throw the ball down the field. So, Rongo country, we're getting caught up trying to compare Russell Wilson with Peyton Manning. And that's going to be a hard comparison. Not fair either. Yeah, it's never going to be fair. There's only one person that I've ever seen that does all the things that Peyton Manning does, right? So did Philip Rivers do the exact same thing in the line of scrimmage? Was he involved in the protection? Absolutely. Did Philip Rivers switch up routes with wide receivers? Absolutely. But those guys have been doing it all their career. Mm-hmm. We're asking Russell Wilson to do that right now, all while he's trying to prove that he could be a pocket passer as well. There's way too much on this guy's plate right now. Forget trying to prove that you could be a pocket passer. And just start proving that, hey, I could look like I looked last year in the National Football League. Let's take some things off of his plate because obviously it's too much. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He is not Phillip Rivers as far as the protection stuff goes. So there has to be more hots put into this offense. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness, Big O, how could you talk about taking stuff off this plate, dialing back the playbook, but now talk about adding hots. Yeah, I know. I sound crazy. But at the same time, there has to be natural hots where it's like, hey, if there's two coming from the right, here's where I'm going. There's a natural route that forces me to push the ball to that side and to throw into the blitz. Or there has to be a situation where the DT play, right? We all remember DT and God bless the, the dead because DT was an absolutely great human being. Um, miss DT to death. DT, I'm, I'm actually about eight days older than DT. And oh, wow. we always had that close connection. He went to Georgia Tech. I went to the University of Miami. 
new DT from playing back in college before we got to the NFL. But that little screenplay that we ran to him, mm-hmm. that was like our quote unquote built in hot where we would check into that line of scrimmage. That play was never called in the huddle. Oh, you wow. A little screenplay. We would check into that and we would know if Peyton Kent went up there and said, oh, hey, hey, check crease, crease or check Ali, Ali. I can tell you right now, Chris, I, I knew without even looking at the defense that there's two blitzers coming from that side that were running that play because oh, wow. it was an automatic check for us where it's not like this big hot where you got to sit there and start changing up. You start changing up each person's route. It's just you're going to one play because you know it's a zone pressure. You know that they're blitzing that outside linebacker and that corner. You know it's going to be some type of full rotation of the defense where that was like an easy way for Peyton to get to a play just saying two words, check crease, check crease, right? He didn't have to go there and do the mental gymnastics of changing. Each person's route, go to, you know, Jerry Judy, don't go to Cortland Sutton and go to Albert O or go to, you know, Greg Dulcich, go to Melvin Gordon. You didn't have to go there and one by one. Now, Peyton would do that at times and one by one change the play, but that was a simple way. And you saw how many times we ran it and you saw how how much success we had that play with with DT, but only two words were ever said at the line of scrimmage. So, how do you build something like that in for Russell Wilson to help him have success where you're taking a little bit off the plate, where you're saying, hey, you don't have to go there and mess around with the protection. You see a full zone rotation or a zone blitz, you could check into this one play that we know is going to be successful. We know if you guys, if it's got, if the offensive line get up, gets out on time, that it has a potential to be a, ha- a house call. And you have to start having these little wrinkles in this offense for Russell Wilson to be able to have success. Man, that was a, that was a masterclass. I did not know that. And knowing that Peyton Manning, if you think about what he does, everything super complex because he can handle the complex. He's seen everything, but also the simple solution, which makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. And and that's all football is. Football's not complicated, you know? So, that in my opinion, that's kind of how you fix the passing game. You, you have to figure out a way to build in hots. You have to figure out a way to build in short little things where you're dialing it up for us, where it's not a, a big thing, a thought process. It's, hey, it's a couple words that he's saying to get to this. And right. now it takes the ball out of his hands, puts the ball in your playmaker's hands, and now let's go see what they can do for the yards after the catch. So for me... That's how you. That's how you fix the passing game. How you also fix the passing game is you go under center. You right. run wide zone. You run the offense that you have been implementing for nine weeks during mm-hmm. OTAs. You run the offense that you've been implementing all of training camp. You don't run this offense for nine weeks during OTAs. You install it three different times. You come back to training camp. You run the same offense for the whole entire training camp and 90% of the times you're running the football in training camp from under center to now after week three in the national football league this year, you're changing your whole offense. You're just, you threw out 10,000 reps that this offensive line has had yeah. together. You just, 
threw them out completely for a different scheme. So my big argument right now is that we don't have the players. Melvin Gordon has not given you the speed that you need to run outside zone to be able to press it one gap at a time to threaten a defense. Latavius Murray has never been a wide zone person. Let's right. start looking at Philip Lindsay. Let's start looking at Marlon Mack. Let's start looking at Duke Johnson. Let's start looking around the league at some of these other players because right now you, you're changing your system for a running back room where every other person on this team has 5,000 snaps in this offense. But right now you're running a different offense when you talk about the run game where you're now you're just trying to figure it out, and it's going to be tough-sweated. And if you don't fix the run game, you don't have the play-action pass, where now that's where Russell Wilson has excelled. You don't have the move-in-the-pocket stuff, the boots, legs, the nakeds, where Russell Wilson excels because you're not going under center and you've completely changed up your running game. That, that was the one thing I was going to ask you, too, because – you know, if you've been here in Bronco country any amount of time, you know what the wide zone run looks like. And to be honest with you, I don't feel like I've seen one all year. Have you? Like, have they tried to run it early on? Um, so last game, they went completely away from it. The game before that against Indianapolis, there was about five plays out there that, that mimicked it. Um, but last game against the Chargers, completely, completely away from it. Right. Uh, didn't run it with Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray is certainly not a wide zone runner. So it's George Payton. Come on, man. You got to be GP and you got to get it done. You got to go get some players, some running backs specifically that can run the wide zone because right now none of those guys specialize in it, in that backfield. I wanted to ask you this question. You know, I I've been manager leader in business and like, one thing when you're in business, if if your uh, employees start talking about you or then you start getting these groups breaking away, it's always a bad sign. It's always a bad sign. It's always something that um, you have to address. Um, and I'm a big carrot and stick guy. I think you treat everybody differently. Some people need more carrot. Some people need more stick. You know what I'm saying? What Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon did on Monday night, sitting over there, I'm not going to say they were sulking because I'd been pissed off too. But that being said, it was a horrible look. It was a horrible look for the franchise. It looked like Nathaniel Hackett didn't have control of anything. And really, then we get back to like, look at them. They're all pissed off because Russ sucks. Like it becomes a giant narrative when, you know, Melvin was just probably angry because I know they did some disparaging, thing, disparaging things up on the Jumbotron. He's not playing. It's probably a rough day for him. But if you're Nathaniel Hackett or even George Payton, like, how do you address this? It seems like something needs to be done because that's an indictment on the culture of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super unfortunate because I love Melvin Gordon as a football player. I right. love Melvin Gordon as a teammate. But right now, Melvin Gordon is facing adversity something that he's never faced it in his life, not to this extent. And he's given off bad vibes and bad body language because of it. Um, a part of me also feels that, that what he did is inexcusable, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. 
So I have two parts. I know the player. I love the player. I love the human being. I've been in the same locker room with him, watched him grow as a rookie, watched him figure things out as a rookie, watched how he came back his second year, you know, with a vengeance and watched him get better, watched how he worked his butt off in the offseason, things like that. But at the same time, you know, I don't have no problem with anything that Melvin Gordon did on Monday Night Football, except for the fact that when Latavius Murray got the first down, he looked like he was mm. disappointed, discouraged, whatever you want to call it. Now, him talking to Melvin Gordon Mel, or him talking to Jerry Judy, couldn't care less. Right. I could not care less. Maybe that was you just know, a moment with the Cameron was on him, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a moment. But, you know, the camera people followed him around out there in L.A., I think that that's messed up in itself. Uh, Melvin, you knew that that was going to be the deal. You're playing in the Melvin Gordon Bowl. What the heck do you expect? You played for that team for five years. You played for the Broncos now for three years. You've been on this team, for on both of these teams for eight years. You're the longest tenured player out there. They're going to follow you around. So uh, I think that that's a little dirty by the camera people, you know, following him around, knowing that he's not playing. He's going to be disappointed. Any football player is going to be disappointed when they're not out there helping their team. So I don't care about that stuff. I don't care, like I said, about Jerry Judy seeking him out and Melvin sitting there and, and talking to Jerry Judy and, and stuff like that. For me, it's it's why did you look like you were so disappointed after the first down? And, I, you know, that needs to be addressed. I, I don't care about anything else. You know, Nathaniel Hackett has already came out publicly and said that Melvin Gordon is going to start. I don't know how you name a starter at the start of a week. I, I have no idea how you name a starter at the start of a week with practice. Uh, um, I, I really just don't know. And especially when Latavius was your, your most successful back and there was a reason why Melvin wasn't in the game in the second half. Don't give me that BS of, he didn't run a lot of plays. He ran 32 plays, right? So it, it's part of the spin that we get out there from UC Health Training Facility right now, where everything is, is a positive in Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson's eyes, right? Almost mm-hmm. touchdowns, and the offense is right there or so close. You continue to spin it where now, oh, Melvin Gordon, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to him. Oh, now, yeah, we did talk to him. He's the starter. So it, it's just all part of a spin. But in my opinion, it has to be addressed, the fact that when Latavius Murray got the first down, his teammate got the first down, why did you look like that? And, and I think that there's so many different reasons that that could happen, right? Right. Um, if you have that conversation with Melvin, and honestly, he sits there and says, well, you know what? I was upset because when I've been in there and I've been running the rock, you know, and it comes to a second and, and four situation, we're typically throwing the ball in that situation. So I was discouraged or upset, like, dang, you know, Latavius just got here. It's second and four. You just ran the ball instead of throwing it. When I'm in there, we throw the ball. It's always about giving Russell the opportunity. Now, if he says something like that, can't be mad at him. I I get it. I would have Mm -hmm. bad body language too if that's the thought process. But if he sits there and says, you know, I was upset because I thought I should be in there. I thought I should be helping the football team. That's bad optics. So I think that you have to look at it in context. And for me, like I said, you know, I I don't, a lot of it doesn't bother me because he's a competitor. It it would bother me if he was on the sideline smiling and joking and laughing around. It would bother me if, you know, you cut to him 
and he was playing around and not engaged. Uh, so it doesn't bother me that he's talking to his teammates. It doesn't bother me that there's bad body language because I'd be pissed off too with there being 32 plays in the second half and I never got one of them. And it looked like there wasn't communicated to him that he was done and the coaching staff looked to have believed. Well, obviously, to the coaching staff, they knew he was done because there was mm-hmm. 32 plays in the second half and he didn't get one. So they, when that's not communicated, guys are going to wonder and guys are going to be upset. So all that stuff doesn't bother me. But it, it, like I said, for me, it was all about, you know, after getting that first down and them cutting to him and it just seemed like bad optics. And I would like to know a little bit more of why it was that in that situation. You kind of explained it the way I felt about Hamler slamming his helmet. I was like, did it look bad? Yeah. But as a, as a Bronco fan, I was like, that guy cares. And uh, it was just in the moment and I was cool with it. And, a lot of people asking me about it. I'm like, you know, I was fine with it. It was all good. Did he show up for us? Maybe. But for me, it showed a little bit of passion. And and I think that that guy's working his butt off to get back. And he wants to be a part of this. So it's cool. All right. We're off to the Jets. Big O. We're going to cut another show for you tomorrow. We needed to put these last couple of weeks of rough Bronco play in the past. Put it in the, in the rearview mirror. And let's move on to bigger and better things. And in a first win with the Jets on this new uh, this new path we're on, we're positive. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just a quick preview. I know we're gonna really do our Jets show tomorrow, but make Zach Wilson beat you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's your ever stack the line of scrimmage, play to stop the run. Make Zach Wilson beat you with his arm. Make Rob Asala. You don't have to trust his young quarterback to make to make tough decisions and. Play as tight coverage as possible. Jam guys at the line of scrimmage. That's how you get it done versus the offense. Now the defense is going to be a little bit more complex, and that's why we're going to save that for tomorrow. <laughs> Good stuff, Bigo. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for your time, bud. Hey, thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.